0: There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out
1: there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the ground by fly away.
2: And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue, or storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 367 out of my backpack and looked back, and that's when I saw it. I saw one.
1: It's actually attacked to railroad workers, uh kill livestock. You know, just a lot of weird stuff that was going on.
2: And greetings everyone, this is Julie Wrench on the shoulders of giants talking old timers with Thomas, the one, the only, Thomas Steinberg, in fact, and I do have him in the studio here with me. Thomas, how are you?
1: Not getting any younger, Julie, still getting older.
2: Are you? <laughs> and now... <laughs> Just so everybody knows, the name of the show talking old-timers with Tom is not old, not O-L-D, but old. So, you know, I'm not calling you old. Of course, I would never do that. So,
1: I appreciate that, my <laughs> <that.
2: laughs> So uh, you guys heating up there in uh, B.C.? Getting some hot weather yes. yet?
1: The Fraser's hit its peak in the height, and uh, we're starting to get warm, sunny weather for the first time now. I spent most of the night outside in the back roads last night. It's been, uh, it's really, really, really starting to get nice.
2: Nice. Well, that's good. I'm glad. We've Mm. been, uh, pretty hot here, uh, North Carolina. Been Mm. triple digits on and off for the last couple weeks. Got some more coming tomorrow. Um, but that's, that's how it rolls down here in the South. Um, but i'll take it it's much better than winter but um so thomas we have a really super great guest tonight um somebody that is a huge inspiration to me that um is a no-nonsense investigator um, you know just always into something always traveling somewhere doing something involved in all these really cool projects um and a lot of our listeners may be familiar with the name and that is Amy Boo she is from Ohio she is the co-founder of Project Zoo Book. she's a team member of the Olympic Project Research Team um, that our dear friend Shane Corson is involved in as well uh, she's the owner of Amy's Bucket List Expeditions she's a writer educator and a certified volunteer naturalist from Northeast Ohio uh I'll tell you, she's just uh, got all kinds of stuff going on. So let's go ahead and get her into the studio. Amy, we welcome you to the show. Thanks so
0: much, Julie and Thomas. I'm so very excited to talk to you guys in particular.
2: Awesome. Well, we're, we're really glad that you uh, agreed to come on. I know you're a very busy person, um, so we're stoked about that. Um, so, Amy, I usually try to start out with you know the basics on on how how people actually get involved in all of this to begin with, you know the whole enigma of the sasquatch um creature you know what is it that got you interested in you know actually becoming um an investigator in this this uh phenomena? yeah, you know it is just weird i we were talking off off
0: the show about how busy I've been lately and it's so weird to me to think about it it's been 10 years that I've been interested in Sasquatch like this and never would I've ever thought it would get to this point where it kind of not all-consuming I do have a life outside of Bigfoot but it consumes a lot of time and I'm happy for that don't get me wrong but yeah it was 10 years ago that I saw something as I was a passenger in a car going over Meander Reservoir Bridge in Northeast Ohio. And I had been looking out the window. I saw some birds flying around this um, concrete pillar, I guess, um, that was cut off that's in the water. And my eye was drawn over to the shore closest to that pillar. And... I saw something and I am the first one to tell you that I am not sure exactly what I saw because we're in a moving car it's at least a football field away um yeah I'm not good at distances but that's the best but I saw something very large and alive because it moved um h- hanging onto a tree with one arm it was looking out seemed to be positioned looking out toward the water Um, It had very large, broad shoulders, all uniform in color. And as we were getting closer, like, I'm just staring at it because I definitely wasn't expecting to see anything out there because this, you're not allowed into that area. It's under the Department of Homeland Security. It's the water supply. So I'm staring at it like I've been over that bridge so many times before in my life. And as we passed it and, you know, got the closest to it and passed it, I just say, I think I just saw Bigfoot. And, like, that's what it looked like to me. And pretty quickly after I said that, I was like, well, that's just stupid. You know, there's no such thing as Bigfoot. If there were, it would not Uh be in Ohio. You know, like, like, it just was ridiculous. But I could not get that out of my head, I wish you know you could go back in time, you could look at it better, you could stop, pull the car um you can't <laughs> not in that area anyway and the the driver of the car at the time didn't see anything, and I just wish I could go back in time, but you can't, so I'm stuck with that image in my head, play it over and over. I don't know what that was i I cannot say that I absolutely saw one. But it is 100% what got me into this because I started, within days, I started um, reading about Bigfoot and looking at about Bigfoot and talking to people about Bigfoot. So, you know, I and it was very quickly that I found out that other people were seeing similar things around that area.
2: Okay. So you you, you did find out that other people had – Seen something in the area now, were yes. you aware that there were actual Bigfoot sightings in Ohio at all at this time, or no, like
0: my experience with Bigfoot was Harry and the Hundersons <laughs> when I was younger <laughs> um, i had I wrote a report like in junior high about the Loch Ness Monster because the teacher said we had to write about something that we weren't sure if we believed in it, and I remember there was one book in the library and I believe that there was some chapters about Bigfoot, but I didn't even read it, you know. So I was aware of Bigfoot. I had I vaguely remember, like, some unsolved mysteries. I liked that show mm-hmm. back in the day. So, you know, I knew people that there was supposed to be Bigfoot, but in my head there was one Bigfoot, <laughs> you know. Right. And it was real. So, um, yeah, no, it was not on my radar at all. That's why it's so crazy hmm. that this takes up so much of my time now
2: because it went from zero to a hundred yeah that is interesting and uh, now you had a a second um, incident happen why don't you tell us about that and how long how long (laughs) after this one did that happen
0: okay so the first was in 2012 the second was in 2018 and again I'm not sure what we saw but myself and three other people were involved in an expedition. Well, there were a bunch more people than that, but we were in this certain spot. And I was helping out with this expedition. This is in Southern Ohio. And um, I had wanted to go home because I had been there for like four or five days. We were camping. I'm tired. It was starting to get like bad weather. So myself and my fiance were going to leave. But the gentleman that was putting on the expedition asked if we could stay one more night because there were two people that wanted to go out and look, you know, be a part of the actual night ops. They would call them, you know, but they didn't want to hike. So would I be willing to stay so they would have somebody to sit with? So I said, of course I would. So basically the night before I had taken a walking team through these trails, um, in this wildlife preserve, I guess it's called. Um, yeah, I'm like, yeah. And we were going through the trails. We um, hiked, I'm not sure how far, but we, we had come out to this power line cut that night before. Well, this night, this the, the last night, we were just sitting around. So myself and the one guy were sitting in the back, like the tailgate, or, you know, the back of his truck, the 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 uh tailgate was lifted up, and my fiance and this guy's wife were sitting in chairs like near us, so yeah. we were on the other side of the power line cut because both sides came down to like a little creek down there, and so we were we were up at the top of the other side because I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense in my head, but like there was a valley. So we were up on the top of the other side of the valley that we had been the night before. So we were kind of waiting for the walking team to come through so we'd be able to see, you know, their headlamps and everything over there. And we were just sitting talking It had started to mist, and we um, decide we're going to, you know, look around a little bit. So the gentleman that was sitting next to me had a Fleer Scout, which at the time I was not familiar with at all. I had looked through them and stuff, but I didn't know how they worked or anything like that. But he's looking down this power line cut, and all of a sudden – and let me just say that his – he was not into Bigfoot. He was simply there to humor his wife. <laughs> and they're both now very good friends of mine. But, they, you know, he was not expecting to see anything. He was not somebody who even believed that they exist. So, anyway, he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, I thought he was going to hit his head on the top of the car because he's like, oh, my gosh, what is that? What is that? What is that? And he's looking through the clear, and he's, telling me like you got to look at this and I didn't like at first want to look because in my head like you're looking through this little clear I'm thinking you know if you go out bird watching you don't want to move the binoculars because you might not be able to see the bird again you know so I'm like well you just look through it tell us what you're seeing but he insisted that I look through it and when I first started looking I was a little confused because I well, I own a FLIR now, and any time I ever had used them, the heat signature was white hot. But he had it put to black hot, so it wasn't like what I was expecting to see. But my eyes got adjusted, and you could see. Like I hadn't, I didn't need to have worried about moving the FLIR because you could see something walking down that power line cut. And when I first saw it. It was near like the the bottom of this one particular tower, and that was glowing hot because of the uh, residual heat, you know, from the day. This was at night, and um, I could so I got a kind of a estimate of where I was seeing it, and then it kept getting smaller, going down that of cut. He and I were giving it back and forth to each other, and then finally I saw it go over the edge down to where that creek was that was crazy because that's a steep edge over there like a person would have to like turn around back up grab onto some things and try to shimmy down there without getting hurt but whatever this was just went right over that edge down to where the creek was so he and I were talking about it and and his wife and my fiance were there and And I felt bad that we hadn't let them see, but they were like, no, no, it's good that you guys were looking. Anyway, try to make a long story short. So we see what we saw. I have my walkie, and I tell the other walking team, you know, we're seeing something. They had um, come out to where we could see them on the further side of the power line cut. They turn around, and they... running back through the woods to get over to where we are they didn't see anything from that side so we're waiting for them Um, in the meantime like I'm wanting to go down that hill and go after this thing but the the one guy in charge was saying like wait for us to get there you know you don't want to get hurt you don't know what it was or anything and I'm like okay if I was doing it today, I probably would have just gone anyway. But, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that's smart. I'm not saying that's smart. But at the time, I was like, okay, this isn't my deal. You know, I want to be respectful and I want to, you know, do the right thing. Now I say that because while we were waiting for them, we asked Lester my fiance to walk down to where we had first seen this thing. He walked down, and it took him quite a quite a little. Fit to get down to where that first um, tower was. And as soon as I looked through that Fleer and saw him there, I'm like,
2: retreat, retreat.
0: come back, because he just looked so much smaller. Like, oh. very, like, really smaller than this thing. So I'm like, get back up there, because then I was like, okay, I don't want to go down there, because it, it kind of scared me. So he comes up. The walking team that had been on the other side gets there, and one of the guys is my really good friend Kevin, and we call him Big Kevin because he is six foot nine, and so he's Big Kevin. So we send him down to where we had first seen this thing walking, and I was standing there. I, the other you know the other guy that had seen it, hands me the flare, and I look through it at Kevin. And I actually, like, my knees buckled a little bit because I just could not believe how much bigger the other thing walking looked. So we were like, oh, my gosh, like, what was that? You know, and, and as a skeptical type of a person, you know, even then, and especially now, I look back and I'm like, you're, you're, you're going with, you're kind of in a highly emotional state right and you're going with what you think how big you think it was you know you don't have anything besides that base of that um, tower to go off of like was it really that much bigger you know like you're trying to in your head think you know it, it was it really that big but I'll tell you what they immediately separated me and the other guy who was who saw this through the FLIR. we um, lester and i got a hotel for that night and i stayed up writing down like everything i could think of drew a picture of what i thought this looked like the other couple went back to their tent they did the same or he did the same and we were both interviewed by different people for our stories And then we didn't see each other or talk to each other for a couple weeks. And then we all got back together at a campfire. And our drawings and our stories were really matched up. You know, so Mm -hmm. we had seen the same thing. We described it the same. Um, I don't, I in good faith cannot say what I saw because, you know, it was a heat signature. But what I do know is that it scared me because of how big Mm -hmm. it, seemed to be, and that it went over that edge really easily. And what time of night was this? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, if I had my notes with me, I could tell you exactly what time it was. And it was really I, dark outside,
2: right? Yes, yeah, so
0: it was very dark. Yeah, you couldn't see. Yeah, it was very dark out, at least after hmm. 10 o'clock, you know, maybe closer to midnight. I'm, I don't remember.
2: Okay. But, so. But you know, it, it was That's kind of, I mean, just somebody out there walking without a flashlight or any type of headlamp is kind of, kind of a head scratcher. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and the and the heat signature itself was like, of if it wasn't, you know, a softwatch or something, I just from other heat signatures I've seen, it would have to be somebody naked, (laughs) you know, because it was like all. It was all consistently the same heat signature throughout the whole thing. Mm. And I did not know, you know, it just sounds like such a cliche Bigfoot encounter that we didn't get it recorded or anything. I had no clue that you could even record on one of those little Fleur scouts. And it that was, was new imp- to the owner.
1: That was going to be my first question. Was this Fleur, yeah. did this have any recording ability?
0: it does now i know that and i know how to use mine <laughs> but i had no idea no idea how to use it or i didn't even think to ask it at that time but it was just such a crazy experience you know when when i interview people about their experiences they're always like it just happened so fast and you weren't thinking about it you know and like i've had black bear that have come up on me when i've been out in the woods and and the last thing I think about is that I'm going to take a picture. You're just thinking about like they're close. I don't want to move, move too suddenly or anything. I've never had a problem with them, but still respectful of them. But um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that it could record, and at the time, I just didn't think about asking.
1: And I take hmm. it the other fellow didn't didn't think to hit the button either.
0: No, he that was new to them. I don't even know if if he knew the like how exactly it all worked. And it, like I had said before, it was more his wife who was really interested in Bigfoot. So I don't know if he even knew. I, I, I don't remember if I even ever asked him if he knew if it recorded. I probably did, but I don't remember.
1: Amy, when you had this thing in view, did you ever see it go down on all fours? Or was it walking upright the whole time?
0: It. You were looking at it from behind. You know, it didn't – it never – seemed to be going down on all fours. No, it looked like it was the same height but just getting smaller as it progressed down the power line cut. You know, and we were thinking, what else could it be? Could it be like you're looking at a deer from the back and it looks tall because its head, you know, is stuck up or something. But I'm glad you asked that, actually, because we were looking before we saw this and after there were deer behind us in the field and you could see they were deer like they were very easy to tell we had you know Kevin and some other guys go down and they were like holding two fingers up or you know doing different things to see if we could tell what they that they were people and what they were doing and we could tell like you could tell these were people and they were wearing clothing so what we were looking at was different was different so I don't Again, I wish I could you know, it plays over my head and I wish we had hit that. Like I said, you you you're like, Oh, why isn't it on recording? But it just wasn't. It just wasn't.
1: Hmm. It just didn't that happen. Is-
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, you could kick yourself that it wasn't, but yeah, I had I didn't know how to work at that clear at that time. No I no
1: clue. Your your other incident in 2012 when you were on the bridge, what time of day was that?
0: That was, like, um, early evening, late afternoon, so that was definitely more of a daytime
1: sighting. Uh, was, it, was it sunny, cloudy, rainy?
0: It was um, sunnier, maybe a little bit overcast. It was in April.
1: Okay, so and and you were in the passenger side of the car?
0: Yes, I was in the passenger side of the car, and I remembered, even though I I had told people, like I told my mom and all this stuff, um, and after I had started looking into Bigfoot, I found the BFRO's website pretty fast. You know, if you're going to, at that time, you're going to look for Bigfoot, it pops up. But I didn't tell Mm -hmm. them my story until like a year later, but I knew what day it was because it was the last, Time I had talked to my father before he passed away because we were, I lived in Cleveland at the time and we were in Youngstown to visit him because he was sick. So I knew like what day that was because he passed away a week later.
1: Mm. Now was it off to the your, your right or was it off to the driver's side of the bridge?
0: It was off on my right. Like we were in the lane closest to the barrier
1: Okay, and you were so, and you were on the bridge, so you were looking down on it.
0: Well, it was it was a little further away. Um, so yeah, I guess across and more across, like you could. It was pretty level with where I was.
1: Okay, what, like what we was
0: it? The, wasn't it? Wasn't a tall bridge. It was a, It would the bridge was closer down toward the water than a lot of bridges.
1: Okay, and was it in the water, or was it on the on the shore, or where was it? It
0: was on the shore. It was on the shore. There, there are these those concrete blocks that are in the water, like every so often. And there, the, it was there was one that was closest to the shore. And there are these birds that just sit on those blocks, and they, and I, my eye was drawn over there because I don't remember ever seeing them like just so perfluffled or whatever. Like the birds were just flying all over the place. So okay. what Was it,
1: the shore you were approaching or the shore you had just passed over?
0: The shore we were approaching.
1: Right to that. And did you see it move at all?
0: I did. I saw it move, it like its body turned kinda of, it seemed to be facing toward where those birds were and then its body turned toward
1: the bridge. It turned toward the bridge, so it was moving in your direction or away from him?
0: It's turning. It just turned its body. It was still holding on to the tree. You could see its arm and, and like, up on, holding on to that tree, but it was turning toward us. Yes. Okay. okay and, it, so- and, and that was just my impression because it's not like I could – it was far enough away. It's like the reason I say, like, 100 yards is because I I feel like if I was standing in one end of a football field, it – it would be under the goalpost like that's the distance
1: so okay i'm like trying I to get a picture a, of what yeah. you actually saw in your eyes so it was it wasn't down at the water's edge it was up at the tree line
0: yeah and the tree line is very it's pretty um level with the water it's not okay like how far back from the water's
1: edge is the tree line
0: um oh gosh i'm so bad at that this was almost like a little I don't know if the peninsula is the right word because it's that might be too dramatic, but a little point that came out, and that the tree that it was near, I would say maybe like 10 feet from the water. I could be wrong about that, but it was pretty close
1: and to it, the water. When you saw, and when you saw it turn and move, it was moving into the trees?
0: No, it was moving like... It was moving. Its body seemed to be coming toward the bridge, which would not be toward the trees. That would be just the open water.
1: So you don't get have the impression it was startled by your car at all.
0: No, there were car other cars going back and forth over that bridge. So.
1: Ah, yeah, okay. It was it was a pretty heavily used road and bridge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there was like a ton of cars, but there were definitely other cars. It's it, it's heavily used. Yes. That's why okay. it was so crazy that that you would see Bigfoot there. It was like, what, you know.
1: Um, yeah, and did it? And what color was it?
0: It was dark. I would say dark brown. Again, it was kind of far away, but that's it was dark.
1: Could you tell if it was hair you were looking at?
0: It looked hairy to me. Like okay. The only thing that I can think of, like I know it wasn't. I am one hundred percent sure it was not a bear. Because even though I couldn't see, like, its eyes or anything, there was no muzzle. I saw the shape of its head, you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. there was no muzzle on it. it. The shoulders were different. I've seen a lot of black bears. So I know it wasn't that. Whether, like, in my head, you know, I'm thinking, okay, is it April? Could it have been somebody, like, just with head to toe wearing something dark and he had a hat on and all of this stuff, like, and he was really tall and broad and, you know, we can't get in there to do or couldn't get in there and still can't to do like a size comparison or anything like that. So it's all, again, from my impression of how big it was. But I just know like the the shoulders were very much wider than I would expect them to be for how tall it seemed to be, if that makes sense. And um, I just feel like it was either... In my head, it was like either Bigfoot or it was somebody pretending to be something else. Like, and again, I don't know that for sure, but it just—it just didn't look like a person at all.
1: Okay. Like it didn't look like
0: clothing. It didn't look like clothing.
1: And this is and this is what so sparked your interest in the subject in general.
0: Yes, because it again, like I don't know what that was, but it it made such an impression on me. That I'm like, that's just dumb. You know, like, there's no such thing as Bigfoot, and it would be here, but just, just because it was so weird, I started, you know, googling Bigfoot and mm. then Bigfoot in Ohio, and then Bigfoot Meander Reservoir, and since it, there were already reports about it, and then since that time, I've taken several reports from people that say they've seen it more up close and personal, like one lady that said she saw it with a duck in its mouth, one wow. person who said they saw one like carrying a deer, you know, so um there were just there have been a lot of other people who have said they've seen something around that area.
1: And when this happened to you, did you report it at the time, like say to Don Keating or anybody?
0: No, I have didn't have any clue who he was like I just I you know I I'm sure I saw that name when I started reading things and stuff but I just I honestly didn't feel like when I when I realized there was such a thing as the BFRO or other people who looked into this I didn't feel like my story was that interesting I still really don't like it's interesting to me because how it affected me but it's not right. like, okay, there, there is Bigfoot right there. And I'm sure that I saw mine was more, I saw something, it was the shape of what I think Bigfoot might be. So it took me a year and I finally submitted that report to the BFRO because again, that's really all I knew, you know, and right. I, or the first thing that I found, I should say. And, um, I was apologetic about it because I'm like, it was not that great of a story. Now I know as someone who takes other people's stories that it is important to, to tell your story because you can have people that see different things or hear different things or find footprints or whatever, and, it, and it's good to have a story of that area. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to have the smoking gun. There's Bigfoot, you know, five feet in front of you. I I encourage people to, to tell what they see and hear. But at the time, I was like, oh, nobody wants to hear this. It's just, mm-hmm. I saw something.
1: And uh, who was driving the car?
0: My ex-husband.
1: And he didn't see it?
0: No. And I didn't say anything about it until we were, like, past it. Because I was just really, I, I think, I feel like saying that I was in shock is way too dramatic but I'm puzzled, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, what in the world is that? You know, and so I'm like I squinting and like, as we're getting closer to it, and then I'm like, I thought in my head, I was like, I'd be able to explain what that was as we got closer to it, but then I'm like, what in the world, you know, and that's when I just said, I think I just saw Bigfoot.
1: That sounds like a perfect normal reaction. I have heard so many witnesses say, they moved on a little bit for about 30 seconds before sort of like, yeah, what the heck was that I was like,
0: at? <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it's a perfectly normal reaction because you can't really register it yourself. Now All right. and, and
2: what I find interesting is, <clears throat> Amy, you had no idea that these creatures allegedly were in Ohio. So that's that's kind of we- interesting to me because... It wasn't like you're, you know, going down the road looking for Bigfoot out your window. You know, that's not the scenario that happened to you.
0: not at all. I I remember I was, like, really sad.
2: uh, I remember, like, it was just not a good day with
0: my dad being so sick, and, and it just was not on my head, like, at all, at all, at all.
2: Right. Yeah, sorry about your dad, too, that's.
0: Oh, thank you, thank sure that you. Was he would have got a kick out of all of this. He really would have. He probably would have been out there Aww. looking with
2: me.
1: <laughs>
2: That's so cool. So now you, yeah. um, you, then you started investigating. You take um, people's reports. You actually um, are a speaker at different conferences, and um, you are the co-founder of, and I want to make sure we cover this because um, the, the Project Zoo book, okay, for those people who are not familiar with what that is all about, talk to us a little bit about um, how that all got started and and what it is sure. and that sort of thing. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, I do speak a lot of places now, whether it's more local to Ohio and Pennsylvania like libraries or I do things for kids or state parks and different things like that, or I speak at Facebook conferences or whatever. And, and I just kind of, I, think, I just think it's so, it's so much fun, and I, I love doing it. But it's so crazy that I do this. But the reason uh-huh. that I do it, the reason I do it is to try to get more people, particularly scientists, involved in Project Zoo book. Because I have for better or worse, you know, I'm this teacher from Ohio, I saw something, you know, I'm not sure what it was, but for better or worse I've kind of become the face of Project ZooBook, if you want to call it that because of the nature of what we do. So um I'll explain what we do. So Amy I
1: yeah. Yeah. Tell us about Project Zoobook.
0: I will. I will. <laughs> so, Basically. Pull up a chair and talk to us. Right. See? (laughs) I, by accident, met a wonderful young lady and some of her coworkers. And I had just been kind of looking around some different Bigfoot Facebook groups, and you both know there's a million of them. But Mm -hmm. I was just kind of seeing, was anything going on? And I happened to see that she had asked. Question, and I—I'm I'm making a really long story as short as I can. Um, I answered her question. I had—I had messaged her through Facebook Messenger, so we were not friends. I knew nothing about her, but I messaged her to answer her question. And so she started telling me about how she and her coworkers were very interested in Bigfoot, and they really wanted like go out and try to find one or they wanted more information and we kind of struck up a little rapport. So it took me, I'm not sure, I'm going to have to go back and look at the timing, but I'd say a week or so before I asked her what it was that she did because she said that she and her coworkers would sit around on their lunch break and they would read books and listen to podcasts, specifically Monster X, which is really funny. Oh. And um, and some others, too, but I remember them saying that. And they would read reports and all this stuff, and we're all really interested in Bigfoot. So I asked her, you know, in my head, I didn't think, like, I thought, well, they could be teachers like myself. They're in the teacher's lounge, or they could be painters, or I don't know. I just, it just didn't come up. And finally, we were we started talking about what it was they did, and she said, well... They are the primate department at a zoo, and I was just like, what? "Oh man!" You know, I just was not used to people outside the little Bigfoot world. You know, by that point, this was four four years ago, I think. Really, kind of taking it seriously, so I'm like, "For real? Like you're really interested in it?" She's like, "Yeah." What happened was she had gone with her dad down to the Expedition Bigfoot Museum in Cherry Log, Georgia, and she went with her dad because she was like, okay, I'll go here with my dad, and was really impressed by the exhibits and the different things that she saw there. So she goes back to the zoo and says to one of the other zookeepers, he's the uh, main gorilla, Zookeeper, like, hey, you ever like, what do you think about Bigfoot? And unbeknownst to her, he was interested too. So they started, you know, reading books and things. And then some of the other zookeepers in the primate department came into that too. And they would, you know, they would play podcasts while they were cleaning, you know, the mm. different areas for the chimps and stuff. And they would talk about it. So. They decided, you know, we should, like, reach out to some people in the Bigfoot community. Maybe we could, you know, they thought, well, they had something to offer and maybe they could pick our brains and stuff. And I guess they had tried to get a hold of some other people that never really got back to them. And so it was, I feel, just a a really big bit of serendipity that I happened to, find that question and answer her, and we struck up this friendship. So from that original, um, you know, meeting, if you want to call it that, they had all these questions, and, and what I always say is what one thing I know is that I don't know a lot. So, you know, I read a lot of books, and I take reports and all of that kind of thing, but there are people who have been around so much longer than I have or people you know, we always say no experts in big footing, but you have experts in different areas or people that are good at things or, you know, audio or the history of it or whatever. So I wanted very much to, to hook them up with these other people that I respected a lot. So I think Shane Corson was one of the first people that I called, him and Derek, and I was like, hey, there's these primate zookeepers and they really... Are interested in Bigfoot? What should we do with them? You know, and we and we started um, having these little phone calls where it was them, and then some of my researcher friends that we would just have these conference calls. So we started getting more people, and then we um, started doing Zoom calls. And I just was like so learning so much about gorillas and orangutans and. And about chimpanzees and and our gorilla guy, his curator at his old zoo was one of the scientists who finally found um, really good evidence of the cross-river gorillas. And we're learning all these and they're giving their input on things that they had heard in podcasts or or read about that were very primate-like behaviors and Sasquatch reports and... um, I started being a lot more bold about trying to reach out to other scientists. So if you flash forward from the beginning to now, I think on one of our latest ZooBook Zooms, we had over 45 people, mostly scientists. And I have not been successful to every scientist I've reached out to. You know, you get laughed at a lot or you're like, no, I'm not interested. But I will tell you that we have not, lost a scientist like every scientist who has come on to one of our zooms and joined in the discussion and we might have a topic of the week or we'll have a guest that comes and tells us um, about something they're a specialist in or we'll have witnesses come on and tell their stories and the scientists can ask them questions but we've never had one that that said this is stupid we don't want to come back and and two the last person, they have pretty much all said that they had no idea that this was going on, that things like the Olympic Project were going on, that people were actually trying to um, use scientific methods to show that this could be a real species. And so now, you know, we we came up with our name, we were like, we started growing. It was kind of a joke that we called ourselves Project Zoo Book, <laughs> but um mm-hmm. I think it was pretty with sure my friend David Wickham that's like, well, if we're gonna have a name,
2: let's do Project
0: Zoo Book because you know Project Blue Book was the the u f o you know stuff right. kind of kind of secretive, and we are too, you know so besides up until recently, besides me going out there and saying this group exists. And now like I was just in Medellin Falls and two of my scientists came out and spoke with me, although they weren't on the bill, they were kind of a surprise. Um, and we've been doing some other things. It's been very under the radar because even though, um, the, all of the scientists are interested and some of them have even had experiences, others are hopeful skeptics. Like I tend to call myself, um, But a lot of them have to be um, more discreet because of their jobs. So we have wildlife biologists, primatologists, anthropologists, these primate zookeepers that started it all, marine biologists, all many of who um, will say that even though they are very interested in Bigfoot, their bosses would not be, you know, for lack of a better way. So. We often say that just like the Olympic project that we look to Dr. John Bindernoggle and all the work he did and his wish for this this topic to be less taboo in scientific circles, we want to kind of carry
2: his torch a little bit and stand on the shoulder of
0: giants just like you guys, like your show
2: says. That is so awesome. I mean, and just the mere fact how that all came together, I mean, it just... (laughs) It's amazing to me how that all fell together and how important it is. Yep. You know? It's pretty special. It's, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. I would thing. say so. Wow. We hope. So their insight into all of this, do they... Do they believe that there could potentially be an undiscovered primate, um, bipedal primate, roaming the woods of North America? Then, I mean, is that? I
0: I would say that many of them do. Like like I said, a lot of them are are hopeful skeptics. Where you know they they you kind of want to see one really well to believe it for a hundred percent. But right. um, many of them, even the ones that are very skeptical, have a lot to bring to the table with different ideas about things and then you like I said some of them have seen them for themselves so they are not there they are you know our uh our scientists who are also our witnesses
1: wow Amy have you managed to make contact with anybody who can do DNA analysis on hair samples and things like that
0: Oh, gosh. Look, even for us, that is such a hard thing. I know that, um, and I can say his name, Darby Orcutt. I don't know if you've ever talked to him, but he's a frequent visitor on our zoo book calls. Um, He is out of North Carolina State, and I know Mm -hmm. that he is looking for people to send him samples. So he's somebody
1: uh, that's
2: doing that. Please.
0: His name's Darby
2: Orcutt. Yeah, Darby. He's... He's the one, Thomas. That um, he's wanting to do our show. We just got to get the timing right because you know he's a professor and he's so busy. Yeah. But you remember um, a couple months ago, I told you I had a professor from North Carolina that wanted mm-hmm. to get on the show. That's that's who it is, Darby Orcutt. Okay. Yeah. So he
0: has his own he has his own little thing going on with
2: the yeah. different mm-hmm.
0: scientists that he works with. So he comes on Project Zoobook when he can. Um, on our zooms so i know he's doing that but it's hard to get you know like people often say in the bigfoot community oh scientists aren't interested or they're skeptical or whatever what what our scientists will say is that a lot of people are actually interested or would be interested it's just a simple matter of they don't have time or can't get the funding you know not that every scientist is. there are a lot of naysayers but
1: for for the longest time, there used to be a saying in British academia: "The road to Loch Ness." And career-wise, it was not a good road to be on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I always recommend it. if you do find someone who does DNA analysis and stuff like that, and you have samples to be tested, don't even say the word "sasquatch."
0: Right, <laughs> wildlife. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They say, we've
1: Tares, could you tell us what they are?
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Like they say, say, yeah. say, like somebody, something got in my hen house, what is it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, right. I
0: totally agree. But, yeah, yeah. RV, and I know this is public knowledge, so, like, I don't feel bad saying it, but he um, is actively looking for people to send him samples yes. for what they're doing
2: in his group. Yeah, and yes. he does have, um, you know, there are there are some samples available throughout north carolina you know um mm-hmm. i know he's was especially interested in the area that i'm at because <clears throat> this county has the most reported sightings of any county in the whole state so right. you know i've been talking to him a little bit and and uh we'd actually talked about him coming here to my place because i live, you know so close to the uari and then doing some stuff over there right so. right mm-hmm. that, that's very interesting um And the best thing they could they could say is that you know, of course, there's no body so to speak to take the uh, DNA from, but you know if you have enough um, samples where it's an unknown primate or it's an you know unknown DNA strand that's different and unusual, Mm -hmm. you know how, and then you go over here and you have the same type of DNA, and those two match but they don't match anything else, you know, then you start building on something. Yeah. Then you have something interesting to look at.
1: Yes,
0: for sure. That's, that's what we're all hoping, right? For sure.
1: Yeah. Well, the best we can hope for now is higher primate DNA of unknown origin. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. So we have people in it that are doing like different side projects. So, you know, it's, it's. I feel very, very honored to be the person that talks, that goes out there speaking about Project Zoo Book, but I also know, like, that I am the coordinator here. Like, I, I found the people, and I find more people, and I coordinate what people are doing, and I coordinate the calls and all of that kind of stuff. And I love being out in the woods and looking on my own, so don't get me wrong, but, but I know that the, um, what do you want to call it, the meat? Of Project ZOObook is what's going on behind the scenes. We have a lot of different scientists that will meet this through this, and they'll meet different researchers, and then go on and do side projects of wow, different that's awesome. uh, different things. And so I'm kind of um, just sitting back and clapping my hands when that happens, because you know we don't we don't in any way say you know we're going to be the ones that that um, ultimately solve anything, but wouldn't it be great if we could be a part of it or or that something we did could cause somebody else to go out there and be able to find evidence. So, you know, it's just really fun. It's very fun. Um, it's exciting. It is hopeful, you know, um, that there are scientists that will look at this topic with open eyes and with... Um, integrity and just looking into it for what it is and seeing that there is a lot there that your average person doesn't know about.
2: Well, I think that the whole, um, you know, the primatology aspect of things, very interesting to have people um, available to talk to that know the uh, behaviors of primates that know, right. um, you know what what type of stuff could point towards a primate existing here versus um, like a bear.
1: <laughs> There's a huge difference right.
2: between what a bear can do versus something with with a hand, so to speak. So exactly, you know, yes. Yeah. For that difference, for them to be able to discern, um, you know, characteristics of primate behavior, I I see that right. as very and you know important and yeah. uh, very glad you guys are doing that because who else would be better to you know to know mm-hmm. uh, what to look for than than someone that studies primates, right. The, the first,
0: those first two primate zookeepers that I, you know, worked with at first, they flew out with me to the Olympic Project nest site a few years ago, like before COVID kind of shut everything down. And they were down in that area looking at those nests. And again, they're, they're still healthily skeptical, right? But I remember when they walked up out from looking at those nests and I looked at their faces and they were just so
2: impressed
0: by it, and I caught my breath because I was like, like, oh, my gosh, like, even though this is what I do, even though this is what I love to learn about, and I talk to so many, you know, I I do a lot of hunting and fishing shows where I go to get reports. Like, I'll go anywhere if people want to share their reports with me. And so you, you talk to, you know, a hunter who looks you right in the eye and tells you, I saw one and I don't go in the woods anymore and, you know, you you can just feel that they're not lying to you. You know, you hope they're not. But, like, sometimes you're just so, their story's so compelling and they seem so um, reliable, you know. Like, so I do this kind of thing. When I, I remember when those two, two people that came up out of that nest site that work with gorillas, that work with chimpanzees, work with other primates, they know what nests look like, you know, albeit in captivity. But the one, um, our gorilla guy has been over in Africa as well. But, like, to see them think, you know, I could, they said, I could see how, like, one of our um, charges could have made that nest and another one could have made that nest because the nest there had, like, personality. Like, you could tell that some something different had made the one from the other or that's what it looked like. Like, I just remember catching my breath and being like oh my gosh like this could be real <laughs> you know wow. like, like that it that it was that was a moment that i won't forget that you know i'm not for all the late nights i do this and we all do you know whether you're reading things or writing i talked to thomas some um, through messenger about things i'm writing about and you know you you there are days when you wake up and you're like why am i spending so much time on this and then you get those moments where you're like, okay, I'm I'm doing the right thing. Um, I'm hopefully on the right track, you know, so it was uh, very exciting.
2: Well, absolutely. I think it's very important and um, phenomenal that you guys are, you know, you have all these people interested in trying to, you know, find out more about what, what is it that people are seeing, you know, I mean... Right. You talk to people, um, and you watch their body language. You see it in their eyes. I mean, you can tell they believe they've saw something because of yeah. their 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 body gestures. You know, I, I've talked to people where they're telling me their story, and all of a sudden, the hair on their arms start rising. You mm-hmm. know. That's right. Not anything you can fake. That that is a no. actual actual uh, reaction to what they are feeling. Right. People have teared up. You know, they start breathing harder. They're you know swallowing hard. They they're sighing. There's certain things that people yeah. do um, that you can kind of you can tell that they truly believe what they saw, and um right.
1: yeah, at least they important. believe it. It's
2: amazing. Yeah, for you guys to do what you're doing and especially, you know, interviewing people and just looking for evidence, you know. Yeah, it's it's fun.
0: It's fun and it's very interesting. It's just, um, it's a passion of mine, I guess. I sometimes wonder if I'm Don Quixote going after the windmills, but, <laughs> but if I am, then I will do it oh, passionately. But, yeah, you're right. Like, one of my favorite stories was a guy who was a... Um, Foreman for a construction company and he was telling me his story about seeing this bigfoot and we're out in the woods where he said he saw it and his dog like he was getting upset and starting to cry his dog started getting upset and i will often say that like i feel like a person could fool me or try to fool me but i don't think his dog is going to be fooled you know (laughs) so you just um you have sometimes witnesses and and doing these hunting and sporting shows, um, you know, I never knew if that would produce anything or if you'd get tomatoes thrown at you or not. But mm-hmm. so far, I've been doing them for several years, and I and I get a lot of really amazing reports out of the people who are out there in the woods a
2: lot. Mm. That's amazing. Well, it looks like our hour is already up, and I can't believe it because... Um... <laughs> where did it go? I mean we just I could sit here oh, no. for a couple more and do this. Um But yeah, very interesting, Amy, and kudos to you guys for for doing this and for them serious. Um, you know, we're super stoked that you came onto the show. Now, if there's somebody that wants to find out more or you know, whatever it is that you can um let people know about what your project I know there's a lot of stuff like you said that has to stay over the the radar but is there a way somebody could reach out to you or yes
0: absolutely I am on Facebook but I also my email is pretty easy to remember it's bigfootamy amy at gmail dot com and we are in the process of creating a Project Zoo Book website um, and eventually a Facebook page because we want it to be there's, there's already one out there, but it's like way under construction. But we want it to be a place where people could ask, you know, you have a question, you could ask a primatologist, you have another question to do with Bigfoot and and um, something else you could ask a wildlife biologist, you know, and, and have different um, interactions going on between those scientists who are interested in Bigfoot and the researchers who are out there in the field and to get them together
2: out there. Yeah, wow, that's very cool. You'll have to keep us in the loop about when that all um, comes to fruition, and we'd love to back talk about that once it's up and going. Absolutely. Sure, yep. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun.
1: Absolutely. Thomas,
2: do you have anything else?
1: Yes, I would just like to say, Amy, it was a pleasure to finally talk to you. And uh, it's always great to hear uh, researchers who are stick to the facts and never deviate from the facts. Absolutely. Yep.
0: And it's an honor to hear from you, Thomas. I told you that before, but um, somebody I've admired for a long time.
2: And well, you too, Julie. You. you know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Thomas is one of the last real deals out there, you know. and. Uh, yep. Yeah, he well, got a lot, lot, got of, a, lot of, of knowledge.
0: I started reading, and a and lot was his books, so.
2: Lots Sweet. of the old guys, right, Jill? <laughs> the old, O-L, not old, Thomas. I would never call you old. But, <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, that was a very fascinating show, you guys, and we really appreciate uh, Amy's time, and we appreciate everybody listening in. And, uh, Amy, you know, keep us in touch Thank you, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Yes, thank you. All right, so uh, we will be back again next month with another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants, talking old timers with Thomas, and um, just wow, you know, I got it. I'm going to have to let some of this soak in because I didn't realize that all the details involved in the project she does. So wow. That's really awesome. So thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next month. Thank you.